0: First and Moose Week 14 reaction on U92 the Moose. I'm Connor Taylor with me, Mark Schoenster. As thought, always. As always. I thought it was a pretty fun week. I thought there was yeah some fun games and some big playoff implications. Obviously, I came away happy from this weekend with the yeah. Packers <laughs> sneaking into that number one seed in the NFC. So it felt good this weekend. For me but i'm sure you had a good weekend as well with a pretty dominant colts performance
1: yeah it was a great weekend i mean just all around for mark schoenster sports fan for sports fandom in general it was a great weekend uh the patriots got blown out on thursday the colts get a great win on sunday men's basketball for west virginia blew out richmond women's basketball for west virginia blew out jmu The Patriots are not going to be the division winners for the first time in 12 years. The Steelers lost. The Texans were eliminated from playoff contention. Like, it was a great weekend for me as a sports fan. All around, just wonderful stuff. But uh, really huge, huge development for the Packers because you thought their chances for getting that number one seed were still pretty good even before going into this week because of the fact that the Saints had the Chiefs coming this next week. But what, we, what the worry was is that the Saints would lose to the Chiefs and then the Packers would potentially lose to the Titans given they have to stop Derrick Henry. But now, as long as the Saints actually go in to – Kansas City comes to New Orleans and the Chiefs somehow pull out a, a victory, you still have the ability to lose to the Titans and have that spot um well sorry no you you have the chance that if they lose to Kansas City you could lose to Tennessee sorry I, I did the math wrong in my head there um so that gives you a little more breathing room I mean obviously you could go into Tennessee and just win because even if your defense does poorly Aaron Rodgers has played at an MVP level this season it could keep you in the game regardless but the fact of the matter is now um I'd expect the Chiefs to win next week, which means the Packers have the opportunity to lose to the Titans and be all right. So this is huge for the Packers because now they're the ones in the, in the front seat and the Saints have to do something major in order to, to usurp them for that number one spot. Because really it seems like they're the only two teams that are really have any chance of getting that spot because I mm-hmm. think L.A. will probably drop a game and Seattle I think is too far behind as well. Um, But regardless, it it is huge. When I I saw the Falcons, the Eagles beating the the Saints, I thought this could end up being a pivotal game in the NFC playoff race because uh, I've been saying it for weeks. The team with the number one seed, I believe, is going to the Super Bowl in the NFC. And the fact that the Saints are messing it up here is is huge. And we'll talk about that game a little more later. But just in in the grand scheme of things – the, the discussion about the NFC playoff picture, this was a huge weekend because, um, I mean, on, from the top to the bottom of the playoff picture with the Vikings and the Cardinals and all that other stuff, it's, this is uh, – it's getting really interesting. It's getting real uh, real dicey in the NFC playoff race. And the same thing with the AFC. It's, we're ready to that – we talk about playoff picture season – and how that kind of starts in November. The final three weeks of the NFL season is when you start seeing clinching scenarios for those wild card teams and for those divisional teams, where everybody is watching as many games as possible because every game is so important at this point, and is so it's such a difference maker for these teams because it's neck and neck in a lot of different places, and so uh, teams slip up and it creates drama and it makes things really cool. So. Keep your eyes out. December football has been fun up to this point. Um, really, Thanksgiving, I feel like things really did kick into a different gear. The NFC East has woken up in a little bit, in a way, and uh, it's resulted in there being a lot of compelling football around.
0: It, w- it was a great week, and mm-hmm. there was just a lot of playoff implications, like you're saying, Mark, and that Saints loss was really big, a loss that – Definitely did not expect whatsoever, and you know we can jump into that that game a little bit later. But as a Packers fan, I think it just excites me that, assuming they lose to the Chiefs, which I believe the Saints will, you can lose the Titans or you can kind of rest players week seventeen that are you know a little bit injured or banged up more and give them a longer. Even a longer break to get their bodies healthy, so there's just big implications. I think it's it was a a fun weekend with uh, the Vikings losing, the Cardinals winning, and I am I'm ready to discuss it all. So since we were talking about the Saints Eagles, might as well talk about that game. Obviously, talk about the big playoff things about it. It's the first time losing without Drew Brees since he's missed time these uh, past two seasons, which is. Just weird that they find ways to win without him all the time. Yeah, and my thing is, even if he comes back, do we know he's going to be fully healthy? Will he be a hundred percent? Which is another thing that kind of scares me about the Saints. And we both picked them to make the Super Bowl, but I mean, also if he has to play outdoors, if he doesn't get home field advantage the whole time, I mean, there's some big things that could happen here, and. I'm just not sure. I still really like the team, but it's still so dependent on if Drew Brees can be healthy or not.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and my thought on this situation is that the Saints should definitely play it safe. Wait till Drew Brees is 100% because, you know, he's not going to need a lot of time to get back into gears. He's been playing football long enough that he knows how to do it. Uh, you're in the playoffs, and that's the important part. You don't need to bring Breeze back to get yourself a berth, you know? Obviously, you want that one seed, but I wouldn't risk being the one seed but then having to rely on Taysom Hill in the playoffs because Drew Brees gets hurt again because they Definitely. rushed him back. I feel like uh, out of the two scenarios, I'd rather be the two seed uh, with Drew Brees healthy than the one seed with Taysom Hill because what we learned, and, and really what we kind of knew already but it was more confirmed, is that the Saints winning with Taysom Hill is more of an exception than the expectation because this is Taysom Hill we're talking about here. Last year, it was believable because Teddy Bridgewater was the, was the quarterback, and Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback. And so and he's such a steady player, too, Teddy Bridgewater. He can deliver whatever you ask of him. He's not going to be crazy Patrick Mahomes-like player, but Teddy Bridgewater does everything he'll check every box you need him to check and it resulted in the Saints going unbeaten with Bridgewater last year Taysom Hill can't check every box Taysom Hill missed a wide open receiver in the fourth quarter for a touchdown that would have been huge in the momentum of the game so it's stuff like that that shows that they've been winning despite Taysom Hill in my opinion entirely a ball and chain but they definitely would be better off with Drew Brees or they'd be better off if Teddy Bridgewater was still here I don't know if Jameis Winston would be. I'm not sure how he's done in New Orleans as far as on the practice field and all that. But all in all, I feel like they were going to drop a game eventually. Now, this was certainly not the game I was anticipating.
0: (laughs) And on the other side, Hurts seemed like he got the Eagles playing for for a little bit of a purpose, which I don't think I expected them to come out like that. I don't think anyone expected them to be able to beat the Saints. But – I mean, we previewed it talking about how this is not the game you want to start as a quarterback in the league. It's the Saints. The Saints defense was playing very well. They they still did pretty well overall. I mean, they helped them come back and, you know, made halftime adjustments. But the thing that kind of changed is sacks. And I don't know where you fall in the lines of uh, sacks being a QB stat. I kind of, I see it. I I get it that it matters to them. If you have a really bad offensive line, it's kind of their fault. But I understand pocket management and, you know, moving around in the pocket and calling out packages for your offensive line is on you sometimes. You holding it too long is your fault sometimes. I think some of the sacks were Carson Wentz's fault this year. And I think Hurts kind of found ways to move around the pocket and escape the pocket that just Carson Wentz can't in a bad offensive line. You kind of need someone that can do that, so I thought that was that was huge. Uh, with yeah, I mean, the escape.
1: I mean, as far as sacks being a QB stat versus not, it's entirely a case by case basis because there are sometimes that the quarterback is just getting harassed the moment the ball is snapped and they they just can't help it in some cases, um, and then there are other cases where the quarterback is holding on to the ball for too long. Yeah. And, and for me, Carson Wentz was holding on to the ball for too long. And why I think partially it's his fault. He knows his off- offensive line is banged up this year, so the question falls onto why is he continuing to hang on to the ball? Is that a Doug Peterson offense scheme issue, or is that Carson Wentz issue? A lot of the time, Jalen Hurts was buying time for himself. He wasn't like just exactly just uh, releasing it immediately. Yeah. So in this case. I, I think the scheme is partially to blame for Carson Wentz's shortcomings. Now, I'm not saying that as a blank slate over everything. There is Carson Wentz that has not been good this year and has held onto the ball for too long. He's made some terrible mistakes. He's not making reads quick enough. But I also don't think the system is helping him. Now on the side of Jalen Hurts, I, I mean, you don't have any film on the guy. So I'm not I'm not ready to say that like, oh, he's the future in Philly. Because now he's going to have another team with film on him, play him next week, and then more film, and then more film. And also, you've got a team that's kind of galvanized by this new rookie quarterback who, from what I've learned over like the past year, Jalen Hurts is a really cool guy. He's a a leader, natural leader, great character. I I mean, from what I've heard, it's hard to dislike him. And so I imagine he's been waiting his due time, putting in the hard work, and he's getting the start after all the struggles the Eagles have had this year. I'm sure the football team in general is enthused that this guy, who they all like, is giving his chance to, you know, to grow, to shine, all that stuff. So uh, I think it was the perfect storm for Philly, and they even almost lost anyway. I guess the score actually doesn't indicate how. Uh, It it was a little bit less close in the score. But still, there are chances in that game where the the momentum could have shifted and the Saints take taken over. But this Eagles team, I feel like it all came together at once, and it all just clicked perfectly. I'll be curious to see how they look next week because their schedule doesn't get much easier.
0: It is a big thing about getting film on Hurts, and I'm right where you are. I'm not ready to be like, hey, this is the starter we're moving on from wins. I don't think that's it, but it, it was interesting to see that this team seemed excited about having hurts, and you you could tell they had something to play for. So we'll see how they end up uh, ending this season. But they have a difficult road ahead to make the playoffs, with how well the the Washington football team is playing right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But something I want to talk about: we ended up having basically two onside kicks going on at like the same time, on yeah. uh, and it, it was pretty exciting to me. But I don't don't want to say – I don't have the stats in front of me about what onside kick works the best. But while I was watching this, the way they've started to do the onside kicks where it kind of spins and takes, like, a turn Mm -hmm. instead of, like, a little hop thing, it seems like that works a lot better. I don't know if, like, we haven't figured out how to defend it. The uh, uh, defensive, the returning receiving team just doesn't know how to defend that type of kick yet in the best way. But it just seems like t- offensive teams are getting a better chance at actually retrieving that ball. I know both failed, but they were both very close onside kicks. And I just feel mm-hmm. like this we're getting closer to making. And that's the same one perfecting. that worked
1: week two yeah. with the
0: Cowboys-Falcons. I, I like it. I think it's more exciting. It doesn't seem like the receiving team really knows what to do. They kind of just watch it and hope it doesn't make it, but it seems like it gains up speed and turns randomly. So I, I like that onside kick more than just like the little hop thing.
1: I think onside kicks are going to be a continually renovated thing because this will be the, the, the right kind of onside kick for a while and then teams will figure it out. And then you have to try something new because first it was the random sporadic bounces, but now mm-hmm. teams have figured out how to get under the ball and just get it in. Um, it, before that, it was the high kick, and you know the first player goes up to try to catch it and fails ninety percent of the time. But now that's been figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I'm sure there were other tactics for the, how to effectively kick an onside kick to give you the best odds of recovering it. And it's going to continue to change. At least that's how I feel about it. I think this is the one that works for right now because it's obvious teams don't quite understand how to to manage it because it was just like in that Falcons game in these the defensive player or the receiving team is almost scared to jump on the ball before it reaches the 10 yard marker. You have to understand though, the other team can't touch it. So just get down and just scoop it. You can even, you can even get just slightly like the guy who's slightly to the head of the ball and it's bouncing maybe in their direction. Just get ready to just dive on it and scoop it in. Uh, You're allowed to get the first dibs on the ball. So even if it's, it's spinning around, it's just a matter of figuring out how to, to reel it in. But they have to take the first step, which is try. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess there's merit to waiting to see if it even reaches 10 yards because I think one of them wasn't going to. I can't remember which one was which. I got them mixed up in my head. But I, I think one of them was actually going to make its way out of bounds and then it bounced. I think it was the Eagles game because I think it bounced off the Eagles player's foot. Yeah. If they just weren't in the way – it either would have hit a Saints player or was going to bounce out of bounds, and so that would have worked too. But I feel like that's kind of risky because of those bounces off the foot, because it is a little unpredictable. Um, but yeah, I imagine this is going to be the onside kick for at least a couple years, and then we'll move on to the next uh, renovation of of the of the, uh, the usually unsuccessful <laughs> drill. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just interesting that it doesn't seem like teams really know what to do with it yet, which is kind of shocking to me, but maybe they'll figure out, maybe they won't. Chiefs-Dolphins, though, do you think it's scary that the Chiefs won this game, or do you think this shows more hope for like an AFC team or NFC team that they're beatable, or you think it's like Because for me, I fall on the side that this is scary that they didn't have a great game, that they're often struggling at points and that, you know, the Dolphins got in punches, but it didn't matter at the end of the day.
1: Um, I don't know. This has been the way the Chiefs have been all year. We talk about them attacking in spurts and just being unbeatable in those spurts. I, I continue to not want to play the Chiefs and they're the last team I want to play in the NFL. So I think that goes to show you that I don't think this really... Uh, makes me think I, I'm scared the Chiefs are, are falling down. Um, granted, the Dolphins missed a lot of their wide receiving core yesterday due to like contact tracing and stuff like that, which hurt them. So maybe this would have been a more competitive game for a longer stretch of time instead of the Dolphins clawing back in at the end. It would have been neck and neck, which actually may have compelled the Chiefs to continue to put their foot on the gas and they would have scored again. I don't know. But I think the fact of the matter is if you're going to beat the Chiefs, you have got to either, A, do really well on offense and just score all the time and, and just know that the Chiefs are going to have an explosion somewhere in the game, or B, you just have, you just have to slow down that explosion. You have to, to mow it down and make it so it's not three to four touchdowns, and instead it's one to two touchdowns and two field goals or something along those lines you cannot let those 60 yard touchdowns happen because they just take advantage of open field the chiefs in the red zone are going to be weaker cuz red zone offense is harder than offense anywhere else because you have less field to work with and the chiefs are a huge example of the fact that they use every every grass blade of the field when when they're playing on offense so you just got to hold them to more field goals and you've got to make sure you don't give up that 70 yard touchdown. They're not unbeatable, obviously, but given the fact that they can win these games, like you said, in just these small windows of, of productivity is pretty annoying and, and pretty fearsome. If you had to
0: pick a team right now to beat the chiefs in the AFC, who do you think you would go with? A team with
1: limiting defense in a run game um that's not the Steelers it's not the Bills quite frankly it's the Browns the Colts and the Titans I think those are the three teams that have the best chance to beat the Chiefs the Titans I am a little weight shaky on because their defense is not that great but Derrick Henry could control the pace of the game and slow the game down so much that even if the Chiefs score on every drive it's not like um I don't know. I, I guess that would still be pretty bad, but at least when they score on every drive, it's only like twenty-eight points as opposed to forty-two, you know? So and then the Browns, if they can make it a Browns football game, then they can win. If they keep it ugly, if they keep it they keep it Nick Chubb, if they keep the pressure on Patrick Mahomes, he makes some mistakes, they could win it. And the Colts, quite frankly, I'm not trying to be a homer, but that defense can limit some of those big plays and can make some big sacks. And the Colts' running game is starting to come alive at the right time. These are are the teams that can beat the Chiefs. Now, I guess the Bills could keep up in a shootout, but I worry that Josh Allen wouldn't make it through the entire game if he's asked to throw the ball over creation for four straight quarters. I think you need a defense and a run game, or at least not a great defense. You need a limiting big play defense and a run game. So, in the AFC, I say Browns, Titans, Colts have the best chance of beating the Chiefs. I don't see the Steelers doing it. They look too much like the 49ers last year in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. I Well, I I think the Steelers' offense might look worse, though, than the 49ers. Yeah, offense. they're worse. They're worse. So, and which the 49ers' offense could run the ball, which is something you need to mm-hmm. beat the Chiefs, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And the Bills. And that's the big thing. Yeah. Like. Uh, even with that
1: formula, that's just – those teams, I think, can do it. I don't even know if I'd say they would if if the
0: situation arose. And that's with the game plan going in your way. Like, it has to mm-hmm. go. And If it goes off your, your path the way you want it to go, the Chiefs are going to win because they have showed they can win in numerous of ways. Probably they can win in more ways than any other team in the NFL right now, which is why they are the Super Bowl favorites. Mm-hmm. But – I don't think the Bills could beat him either because it's leaning too much on Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is winning games for the Bills, which we can get to later. But I think that overall, it would be Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. And everyone's going to take Patrick Mahomes over Josh Allen. Yeah, He's played really well, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. No. Buccaneers-Vikings. Mark, kicking, kicking, and kicking. Seems like a uh, pretty big issue, but there are some other things as well. What are your takeaways from the, uh, the game you're watching closely?
1: All right. I have a couple notes from this one. Um, so in the first half, th- this is a brutal game, first off. This is rough. Um, the Vikings were the better football team in the first half. They were the much better football team, and they went into the half trailing. Um, I said better half except for one or two fouls and then kicking. Which, which was rough, just missed it. two field goals and an extra point, brutal. Um, throughout the game, uh, Brady was rusty early, but then he had some sharp plays when he needed it. Uh, even more so was the Bucks' running game. The Bucks' running game with LaShawn McCoy and Ronald Jones stepped up and made some plays when they needed to, which was huge because they had the lead. And even though maybe they weren't the better football team, the running backs started to help uh, keep control of that lead once they had it. Uh, on top of that, the Bucs defense had some very timely sacks on some Minnesota drives. They were driving down and they pushed Minnesota to to take some field goals when they were just methodically going down the field. It would be a third down and, or it'd be like a second down, and then Kirk Cousins would get sacked to make it third and 16. And then they couldn't accomplish that third down, and then they had a field goal missed at the end of the drive after a great, productive drive all the way down the field. And then suddenly, one sack pretty much ruined the drive. Um, but all in all, The takeaway I got from this game was just two words for Minnesota not enough. It was just throughout the entire game, Minnesota put forth the effort and put in just about the winning product to win the football game, but it was just not enough. Yes, Dan Bailey missed three field goal attempts and an extra point, but those three field goal attempts were on drives where they were just moseying down the field with ease and then suddenly they got sacked and then, it, and then they had to result to a field goal when really it looked like they were going to score a touchdown given how easily they were going down the field. So they were doing well, but it just wasn't quite enough. And even then, they could have won this football game if Dan Bailey had not messed up. So, I mean, it's brutal. Missed extra point, missed like a 30-yarder, missed a 40-yarder, and missed a 50-yarder. And they all were not even close. He shanked them. He is in his head. And I'm surprised I haven't gotten a notification that Dan Bailey has been released yet. Because, I mean, he may have just cost them the playoffs. This was a huge game. And Arizona kind of came out with the win. So they have a one-game advantage. And they have arguably the easier schedule. So this is tough for Minnesota. It's a tough pill to swallow. This is a young team with a lot of talent and, and in many ways are playing really well, but defensively they played decent, but it wasn't enough because they gave up one or two big plays or when it came to third down, they just couldn't quite stop with Sean McCoy. It was just not enough. And that was what was going through my head as the game went on. I was thinking the Vikings are playing better football, but the Buccaneers are an opportunistic team and they're taking advantage of the opportunities given to them. And, I don't know I hurt for Vikings fans because this one felt within reach and it was just misfortune after misfortune
0: do you think anyone's scared of the Buccaneers in the playoffs or do you think this is a team that you could be pretty confident going against
1: um the way they're playing right now no I'm not scared of them if they turn it on like they kind of did for a stretch earlier in the season then I would be, where their pass rush was just hitting everyone, Tom Brady was clicking with the receivers, then I'd be scared. But at this moment, no. I'm. Let's see, Tampa Bay, let's quickly look at the playoff picture. They are the sixth seed, so they'd be playing the Rams, who, mind you, confidently beat the Buccaneers a couple weeks ago in Tampa, this time it would be in L.A., I think the Rams would feel pretty good playing the Buccaneers again. Tom Brady still misses passes. He still has some moments where he just flat-out whiffs an open receiver, and stuff like that is going to bite you in the rear end of the
0: playoffs. I'm not scared of them either, really. I mean, in the, in the beginning, when they were dominant, I was – the only thing that kind of gets me scared is they could go on a stretch here. they got two games worth versus the Falcons and the Lions. Yeah. So there's a chance that they can get going against those teams and kind of get in the groove of things, which I think if they're a team that can get hot, like we've said all year long, who's going to get hot? And the NFC can more than likely make it to the Super Bowl or the number one seed will make it to the Super Bowl. The two scenarios. Yeah, the two scenarios right there. And I think the Bucks are a team that could get hot. We'll have to wait and see. But it's definitely not a team that I would be very scared of at this moment. Chargers, Falcons, Mark. We You talked about how they tweeted out that Spider-Man meme, and it, <laughs> it turned in to be one of those kind of classic Chargers-Falcons games in a way. My
1: goodness, man, I, let me tell you, this game, I <laughs> going in, I was just thinking this is going to be a game where <laughs> we wonder how, <laughs> how does this game, it's going to be a game where both teams desperately try to lose it at the end, but they can't lose it because the other team is also desperately <laughs> trying to lose. And look at this, the last four drives of the game, It was 17 to 7. And in the, uh, let's see, it was at the LA 16 yard line. The Falcons threw an interception with 3.52 to go. So then the Chargers drive down to the Atlanta 38, 53 seconds to go. And the Chargers throw an interception, 50 seconds left. Then the Falcons, three plays later, in L.A. territory, throw an interception, giving it back to the Chargers after they just gave it back to the Falcons, and the the Chargers end up winning the game. And what's so funny about it is it's in Chargers fashion and Falcons fashion. The team with less to play for won the football game. They blew it to the team that had less to play for. The Chargers, at this point, I'd be wanting to get Lynn fired and Lynn just got I in his in his resume. Meanwhile, the Falcons are trying to play for their interim head coach. It's and are technically still in the playoff race, and they lost it. It was everything I wanted out of this game, where both teams were just doing everything they could to lose, and it was just who could snag defeat from the jaws of victory. And the winners apparently are the Falcons. They are the better team at losing when it matters most. Um, truly phenomenal, beautiful. I mean. Uh, This game meant really nothing to anybody except for these two teams, and it ended up being an absolute
0: Picasso painting. It was great. It was a joy. It was what you wanted out of this game. You wanted them to both kind of suck towards the end and let the other team, you know, get a win in a way, and then that's what happened, which is pretty hilarious. But (laughs) let's take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, that's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm. To get started, that's a n c h o r dot f m. To get started, and we are back. First and moves Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster, Bill Steelers, Sunday night football matchup. I thought Chris Collinsworth was kind of funny to me with uh he wasn't doing it intentionally and he was meaning this in like a good manner about talking about bills fans not being able to be at the game and not being able to experience like this greatness from the bills that they haven't able to experience but i was just thinking if i was a bills fan i'd have been getting so annoyed I'd be like we get it chris like we can't be there it sucks that we can't be there but he just kind of, he's like Man, I really wish their fans could be here. And I was like, "Okay, dude, <laughs> like you can't be making these people happy." So I found it very funny that he kept yeah. talking about that. Yeah, you know, Chris
1: Collinsworth was in a very loving, uh, loving way last night. He was throwing out praises to everybody. And you know what? That's fine by me. I, I don't, I don't mind it. Uh, Chris Collinsworth, I used to really bash him a lot because just he, he's kind of silly, and he used to say some, some. Things that I thought were kind of kind of dumb to say on air, but I I've really grown to like Chris Collinsworth, and I think that he's he he's entertaining to listen to. And last night I kept noticing the fact that he was just he loved Josh Allen, then he loved Nelson, then he loved what Ben Roethlisberger was doing, and it was it, it was just love all around for Chris Collinsworth. And uh, I don't know, I I thought it was interesting, and yeah, he did talk a lot about the Bills Mafia yesterday, and I mean. To be fair, he is right. This would have been a great year for Bills fans to be able to be around and watch because the Bills are playing an exciting brand of football. And this was only the second Sunday night football game ever in Buffalo. And they got a huge win over a team that were
0: in the one seed going into the day. And just on like the play-by-play color, there's no one really that I dislike right now as like the main people. I don't really pay attention to like one o'clock games and like who's announcing who. I don't know everyone's names but there's no main guy that i'm like man great this person's announcing my game i know people don't like joe buck a lot but joe buck doesn't bother me but getting to this game he's all right the steelers (laughs) could fall into a wild card spot it's possible if the browns somehow find a way i don't know if that'll happen i know this airs on tuesdays which we're recording on monday that you know they could be thrown out if the Browns lose tonight versus the Ravens, but there's there's a real chance that the this could really change the Steelers' fortune, which I think they need home field advantage. I know they more than likely won't get the buy, but yeah. I mean they could get be in a wild card spot, which is something that is kind of unexpected to be honest. And the Browns could win that division theoretically
1: yeah i mean they have two losable games and one game they'll win they play the Bengals next week which they'll win i would start their defense um (laughs) and then they've got the colts and they've got in cleveland that game in cleveland could end up being our flexed sunday night game uh the final week of the season since they don't i guess you can't call it flexing because there isn't a sunday night game they just decide which game would be the best game for the end of the season um but that could end up being it because that could be a game where, even though it's not a battle for who gets into the playoffs, it'll be a battle for who wins the division. Because the Browns could could beat the Ravens tonight and could continue to win games, and then that be the decider. So huge game, especially if the Browns can win tonight, because then that would mean the Browns would be a game behind Pittsburgh. Now, uh, let's really quick. I'm gonna pull up the ESPN playoff predictor. Just so I can figure out um, who has the tiebreaker, should they end with the same record. Well, I'm just going to punch it in here. I'm going to open the website, and so we got the results. I'll say, Browns win tonight. Steelers win next week. Browns beat the Giants. So now both teams are so the Browns are 11 and three at this point, and the Steelers are 12 and two. Then you go into week 16. The Colts beat the Steelers, which I think at this point is not a wild prospect. The Browns beat the Jets, which is pretty mm-hmm. easy. Now they're both 12 and 3. Cleveland has the same record as Pittsburgh and do not have the tiebreaker. Now let's, and then, which would mean though, if the Browns beat the Steelers the final week of the season, the Browns would be 13 and 3, and the Steelers would be 12 and 4. That's fine. Now let's say the Steelers beat the Colts, so they both have the same record. They're both 13 and 3. Pittsburgh would have the tiebreaker so the Browns do need to have a better record than the Steelers even if they beat the Steelers in the final week of the season so they're going to be big Colts fans in two weeks I mean the Colts are kind of big Browns fans tonight in a way I guess I don't know I I know the Browns are going to make it to the playoffs so I don't care how good their record is but if they beat the Ravens that's one less team the Colts have to worry about as far as wild card is concerned. And even the division is still a possibility for Indy. We just have to win out and the Titans would have to lose to Green Bay most likely. Now we could win out given the Steelers vulnerability right now, but I don't know if we will. Um, but yeah, so just the perspective, the Browns would need to beat Pittsburgh the final week of the season and they need to beat the Giants next week, which I think is doable, but it might be, it might be tricky. And then they have the Jets in the middle there, which they'll go win. And meanwhile, the Steelers, they would need to lose to the Colts in order for the Browns to to take the spot. And the Browns need to beat the Ravens tonight or yesterday, if you're listening on the airways. But all in all, this is not over. This Mm -hmm. is not done. It's very – it is not unreasonable to think about now. Two weeks ago, people said it's still possible for the Browns to win the division, but people were thinking the Steelers would lose to, uh, you know – 14 or three teams or four teams in this last stretch of games they're 11 and 0. how's that going to happen well they've lost two in a row um and they still have the Colts and the Browns to go so it's very believable now so overall things are really opened it up in the AFC outside of just the wild card and also mind you the Chiefs had the tiebreaker over the Steelers now so the Steelers they're they're close to kissing that that number one seed goodbye
0: and Obviously, it's still in the Steelers' hands. They need to lose two games for two more games to, you know, Mm -hmm. fall. And the Browns have to be beating the Steelers. So, it's kind of out of control of the Browns unless they end up sweeping and then it's going down to that matchup at the end. But I think – I think, I hope it goes down to that. I think the Browns having a shot at winning that division would be very exciting. But we'll have to wait and see how Mm -hmm. the Steelers kind of pan out over these next few weeks but the Bills, when they're clicking, they're really good. And I think they're, actually, they're winning because of Josh Allen, which I feel like some, they're winning because of other reasons as well. But I think a lot of people probably just think, hey, they've built a really good team around Josh Allen, which they have. But they are winning because of him as well, because the Bills are one in 53 teams to start 10 and three since 2000. And they're the second most pass happy team, only behind the 2013 Saints. And like the uh, first 28 minutes, they they pass, I think, second most. Which, yeah, they pass a lot. Which is leaning on Josh Allen, which you have to have a good quarterback to lean on. It's depending on how well he plays. So to say that Josh Allen is being carried or somewhat, which I don't think that's the narrative. But I think when you first look at the Bills, you're probably thinking, hey, yes, Josh Allen's playing well this year, but they've built a really good team around him. But these the Bills wouldn't be winning with the play style they are playing if Josh Allen was having a a mediocre day average year, which he's not. Yeah,
1: this doesn't those statements also don't have to be mutually exclusive. I mean, look at the Chiefs. You could say the Chiefs are a great football team and also Patrick Mahomes is great and that they, the two propel each other. I think it's the same case with the Bills. The Bills have a pretty good football team uh, – love to see if their defense starts stepping it up these next few weeks because then they may have the chance to beat the Chiefs as well but we'll see on that regard. Um they look good against the Steelers but a lot of defenses look good against the Steelers offense. Um so that remains to be seen. And Josh Allen played great last night against Pittsburgh. Uh, he looked poised, there was pressure a lot of the time and he was able to make it work. And it was rough at first and this is the big thing for me for Josh Allen that shows his improvement. I think last year's Josh Allen loses the football game yesterday because it didn't start off right. It, things weren't quite working. They were, they were not getting many yardage, yardage. They were punting it. They had a turnover that led to a touchdown. They, they had a lot of things not go quite right. And he stood in there, kept doing his thing, started getting it to Stefan Diggs, and things started working. Things started clicking. I, that's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of growth in him as a quarterback because he was able to stick into the game and keep going, despite the fact that things didn't go right from the get-go. So, kudos to Josh Allen. I enjoy watching him play. He's a lot of fun, and he's proven that he's a playmaker. And, I mean, he if Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes weren't balling out all season, then he would be an MVP considerate.
0: Could it be, like, most improved? possibly. Mm-hmm. I think mean, Josh Allen could be one of the most improved players in the NFL. I, I think so as well. But this game, do you think this is more of like, hey, the Steelers have issues and we do, we need to worry about these, the Steelers team? Or do you think it's more like, hey, the Bills are starting to get hot again? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. But I am worried about the Steelers team. I mean, lack of run game, the receivers drop everything. Ebron has gone back to dropping everything i know you, he somehow you got an amazing year out of him with the colts one year magic and, of andrew lot <laughs> he hasn't been able to really do that anywhere else he's been kind of a, a dud overall and had that really one great year but i am worried about the steelers team and i know we talked about the possibility it's they're gonna have to lose two more games and one to the browns but the steelers teams don't worry me and i don't think to me, for a while, I thought this is the team that could maybe compete with the Chiefs. What well, we talked about earlier, they're not the team that we, either of us picked to possibly beat the Chiefs right now.
1: Yeah, and I think the issue was, it's not that these are new issues for the Steelers. I think the big thing is that the Steelers haven't been able to fix them. These issues have been around all season, and they've edged out some games despite that fact, and now teams are really starting to hit those spots when it comes to playing Pittsburgh and it's showing. Their run game isn't working, and so they're being forced to pass. And in a lot of cases, the defense is now know Ben Roethlisberger is quick to release the ball, so they're just keeping tight coverage on those receivers who have proven that they can't compete for balls a lot. Now, yesterday was a little bit of an exception because it kind of snowed, so it was a little extrapolated. But still, it, you didn't have any sure-handed guys you could get to. Like, just about everybody had a piece in the... In the coughing up the ball department. So I think the fact of the matter is is that Mike Tomlin throughout the season has been aware that this team has some bad flaws. He's He's made note of it in press conferences. The issue that makes it concerning now is the fact that they haven't been fixed. And it's December. You don't have much time to fix it anymore. And some of these other teams that have been tuning in all season have been getting better and better and better are about to pounce, and they're about to knock you out of the playoffs the first time you get a match, the first game you play. At this point, I'm not confident in the Steelers to beat a lot of these AFC playoff teams.
0: And the problem is, is their defense has key injuries, and that's That's what was carrying them. So that thing that kind of covered up their flaws can't cover up their flaws as much anymore, which it still can a little bit, but not the way it could when it was a fully healthy defense. game I paid attention to was Cardinals-Giants. I don't have a ton from this game. It was very lopsided. But some question I was thinking about was like, how long are we going to – is the media in New York Mm -hmm. and just in general to give Daniel Jones in that organization, how long will they give him? Because tons of turnovers. He is a turnover-happy guy. And the thing is – it's not like he's putting up a lot of touchdowns. There's someone yeah. like Jameis Winston, ton of turnovers, but at least he would kind of match it with his upside. <laughs> There's really no like highlight reel to Daniel Jones for the most part. It's it's pretty much all turnovers. There's not like a lot of miraculous plays. I mean, I mean, We get the name Danny Dimes from like his first two performances of coming out there and actually have some cool stuff happening for him. But other than that, like he doesn't really... He doesn't have that upside that I think's going to possibly make the Giants be willing to move on from quicker because he's not showing those sparks where you're like, okay, like, yes, he has some rough edges to them, a lot of rough edges to him, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, at least there's something there. I don't think he's showing enough where a team's going to be willing to give him. I think halfway through next season, if he continues to play like he is, it's probably not his fault. He's not on a great roster or anything, a great offense around. It's not like he's had Barkley all year or last year. He struggled with that as well. But I think this man could definitely lose out on a job halfway through next season if he doesn't get things fixed. Yeah, definitely. Cardinals defense dominated. I mean, Son Redick. I think – I saw four-and-a-half sacks and then saw five sacks, so I don't know what stat is correct. But the set of team records, since like 1990-something with most sacks in the game. This Cardinals team, I don't think they're going to have a defensive performance like that again. More than likely, I think they get kind of lucky against going against a Giants offense that really doesn't have that much in them, which is the issue that's coming down to it is – I guess it's Giants football team, and then you've got Eagles and Cowboys still hanging in there. And the football team has good defense. Giants team has a pretty good defense, and both offenses don't excite me by any means. But I think the 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 defense of the football team is a little bit more steady to me, just because the front seven's more steady, and I don't think that Giants defense can, you know cover up flaws like we were talking about the Steelers coming up there, covering up their offensive flaws. I don't think the Giants can cover up their offensive flaws enough like we saw in this, in this Cardinals game. And this was a big win for the Cardinals, especially with the Vikings mm-hmm. losing. We've, I mean, it was a, yeah. a huge win for them. And I think they've got a really good shot at making the playoffs. I mean, looking at their, their schedule left, you've got Eagles – I presume they win with more, you know, film on Jalen Hurts, like we were talking about. And then you've got 49ers, Rams. So it's not the easiest schedule, to be honest, because if they lose to the Eagles, don't think they will, but it's not out of the picture now, the fact that they're playing better. It's not like, oh man, you lost to the Eagles. 49ers, Mm -hmm. they lost, obviously, yesterday, but they can still beat them. And then the Rams. So I'm still not, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but their remaining schedule is. Very difficult and not I'm not super confident that they could be able to do it to be honest with you,
1: well, I mean you got to look at what the other teams are competing with. They do have a game advantage now. The Vikings have the Saints, bears, and believe it's the lions off the top of my head. Um, I believe that's their remaining schedule i um, will click this real quick to confirm, yeah, it's bears, and then at New Orleans and at Detroit, so the Saints. I, I, it'll be interesting. It's it's not over because the teams they're all playing are teams that in a scenario they can win the football game but having a leg up right now with three games left that's a huge advantage just regardless because you can drop a game and things excuse me could potentially still be in your favor now sure tiebreakers might change uh, between now and then uh, but I, the Vikings have the tiebreaker, so really, uh, the Cardinals have to have a better game, have to have a better record than them, but I don't know. It, it's it's going to be weird. I it, it really do think it's going to turn into a situation where one of these two teams, or I guess maybe the Bears, because they're also the same record as Minnesota, will limp into the playoffs and then get stomped by Green Bay or New Orleans i don't know i don't know <laughs> the nfc is weird this season i i'm it's gonna be fun as i'm thinking out loud but it may end up resulting in, a, in the case where really it's a, not a team earning it but more just a team not doing as poorly as the other competitors so that seven seed
0: i would prefer the cardinals to make it not like as a yeah. team to play but as like a, a- team to watch a team to watch, I don't really. With the Packers, you know, playing the Cardinals in the playoffs, I wouldn't love it just because they can win games weirdly compared mm-hmm. to the Vikings and Bears. But I think the Bears actually have a pretty good shot making game. I and mean, you got the Vikings, they can win or lose it. But I think they can win that game. Then you got the Jaguars, think they can win. Win Packers in week 17. Maybe not, a free game, maybe a free game might not be playing everyone. So they could find a way if they could you know find this winning stretch they win out which i don't know if they can it's dependent on if the packers end up clinching that one seed and don't have to play really week 17 and if they're willing to not play week 17 which i don't know coaches see it differently deciding if they think their player should play in that game or not so we'll have to wait and see what battle thinks but yeah i think the bears have a pretty good shot which I mean, for the longest time, I thought they were out after losing six straight. But there's, there's a yeah. realistic path to, to, uh, to making the wild card, and which, which shocks me overall. But Yeah,
1: I mean, the Bears-Vikings game next week is an elimination game, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, certain elimination, pretty much. Maybe not statistical elimination, but they're gone. They're done. And so, that'll be a game worth uh, making sure you keep your eye on throughout the
0: day. Colts-Raiders, though, Mark, that'd be a fun one for you. What were were some exciting things from that game?
1: Yeah, so in general, great team win, dominant win. Really think we needed that right now because last week we got the win against Houston, but it was by the bare skin of our teeth. And so it was nice to get against a a decent football team of the Raiders go to Vegas and, and really just get the job done in all the phases of the game. Pun returning, kick returning, special teams, really good. In a day where kickers are struggling, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship was perfect. Um, Philip Rivers has been great. He's been great for quite a stretch of time. He's had maybe uh, – there have been games where he hasn't been fantastic, but he hasn't really lost us a football game since we lost to the Browns because the Titans' loss was um, Derek Henry running over our depleted defense. Our Ravens' loss, uh, our defense did all right against Lamar Jackson, but our offense in general was flat that game. That wasn't solely on Phillip. Our Browns' loss, Phillip had some bad mistakes, some missed throws, but that's months ago now. Phillip has been doing really well, hasn't been turning the ball over, and has been playing some good football. Now, the big thing about this game that makes me really happy, before I say that, actually, though, shout out to Kenny Moore. What an interception. This guy has been wow. one of the most underrated players for the Colts for years now and in the NFL, and that put him on the map. He also forced a fumble on, in the second half, so he had a great game. He's always been a great slot corner, and he – I mean, fantastic. That was amazing. I didn't realize how – big of a catch it was when I first saw it and then I saw the replay and I went what is this but anyway the bigger thing the biggest thing throughout the season the Colts O-line has done really well to protect Phillip Rivers but there's been some issues with the run blocking which is what we were really good at last year and somewhat the year before that as well on top of that, Jonathan Taylor has been inexperienced and has struggled to to read the scenes right and to know when to sprint and when to be more jukey and patient and all that. Jonathan Taylor is starting to kick it into high gear. And the offensive line is following suit. And that is awesome. Because come playoff time, running the football is how you win football games. And the Colts ran all over the Raiders' defense yesterday. Now, granted... Uh, that's not a great defense, but the fact that it was working though, as well as it was means that this is a Colts de- team that's going to, the defenses are not going to want to play. We've been dropping tons of points each week. And then on top of that, T.Y. Hilton is starting to to pop out as a number one receiver again, everything. And I'm trying not to be too homery here, but everything right now is starting to click at just the right time for Indy. And that makes me excited for the playoffs. Um, great, great game to have. And I'm excited to play Pittsburgh in two weeks. Now, I'm not going to overlook the Texans because they're going to want to play spoiler, but I'm excited for that game, and I'm excited to see what these guys can do in the playoffs because I think this team is built for some playoff success.
0: And Taylor is someone you can give a lot of touches to. I mean, he had tons of touches Mm -hmm. and yards in college. Obviously, that can be a little bit Mm -hmm. scary when you think about longevity, but he's someone Mm -hmm. you can rely on for the – for the coming years, especially this year, in the playoffs to run the ball very well. On the Raiders' side, their defense is awful. I mean, it is, it's very deteriorated. bad. deteriorated. And the thing is, an elite offense can, you know, overcome a terrible defense, and they can, you know, still find ways to win games. But even Hall of Fame quarterbacks like Rodgers, Breeze, Brady, Mahomes, can't win all their games when you have a really bad defense like you can't it's it's hard to go out there and be expect to put up a lot of points every every week and where wherever you fall on Derek Carr he's a good quarterback he's having a very good year but to me he's not a quarterback even at that tier of a Hall of Fame level that struggles to cover up an awful defense mm-hmm. Carr's not able to cover up Bay awful defense. So they're they're going to have to get that fixed in the coming years. I think John Gruden's yeah. done very well on the offensive side, but he's going to need to fix that defense for this team to actually move forward in the coming mm-hmm. years.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like their defense is only ready to play when they're playing the cheats. <laughs> um, but outside of that, they, they've, they've been, they've been cumbersome this season and it, it's not been good. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought this team was a playoff team this year, but their defense hasn't taken any steps forward as the year has gone on. And so that's really put them in a bad spot. And the pressure of carrying a team on offense has finally come back to bite Derek Carr on that team. And now the offense is starting to really slip up these past three weeks. They've made some mistakes and turnovers. I mean, you can't blame Carr for the Kenny Moore interception. And really you can't blame him for the pick six because, of, but but the person you can blame on that pick six was, uh, I think it was Jalen Rashard who was on the other end of that, and he just popped it up, served it up on a silver platter for Kari Willis to take it to the house. This team is starting to – they played mistake-free earlier in the year, but it's finally starting to come back and get them because they can't be relied on to win every single game, uh, every single week.
0: Last game I want to talk about was Washington football team 49ers, and mm-hmm. it's a, obviously a huge win for the football team. But looking at Chase Young, this whole season, we really haven't had a dominate, dominant performance for Defensive Rookie of the Year. And mm-hmm. it's ended up being kind of like I feel like a lot of fan bases out there. I'd be like, hey, look at our rookie. Look at our defensive rookie. Look at our guy, guy. yeah. Because it, it feels open, still feels open. But these last three remaining games, Chase Young could easily take it because it feels like people this whole season have been wanting to give it to Chase Young because he's the big, star flashy yeah. guy. And if he can give this playoff push, get the football team into the playoffs and have some key sacks and force fumbles, he's going to take it, even without the most dominant performance ever defensive rookie of the year.
1: Yeah, so for me throughout the season, I really like what Julian Blackman has been doing for the Colts. Jeremy Chin has really stepped up for the Panthers and has made Mm -hmm. some big plays these past few weeks. But Chase Young being a part of the reason the Washington football team make the playoffs, that probably sells it for him not to mention the confirmation bias of people thinking Chase Young would be that guy to win Mm -hmm. the award coming into the year. But at this point, I wouldn't be too upset about it. He showed up against Pittsburgh last week. He showed up against the Dallas Cowboys. He showed up today and got the only touchdown the football team scored all day. So he is starting to wreck games. And even though he missed some time this year, it's obvious that he – if you're playing any of those three teams, you circle Chase Young before you're circling Julian Blackman or Jeremy Chin because he is a problem. Now he does benefit from having Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, <laughs> and everybody else on that D-line, but he still is the star of the show. And and so I think that earns him the spot, especially if Washington makes the playoffs, which uh, their chances are getting better and better each week now.
0: Which they've got – seahawks a mm-hmm. game they can they can win they could win the giants beat them panthers other game they should win eagles to me another. they can game. win that one they could lose them all but they those are all three games
1: all. they can lose but yeah definitely I, I they'll drop one i don't think a winning record is happening <laughs> in the nfc east uh if a team makes it to eight and eight that's pretty miraculous after the situation these teams were in a couple weeks ago so and I would be exciting to watch them in the playoffs. Again, I picked the football team as a team I'd like to see in the playoffs a couple of weeks ago because of Alex Smith and, and, and that defense. And I think that
0: stands and they would actually be a fun team to watch come playoff time. I guess you could argue they're getting hot when it matters most, even though mm-hmm. that's kind exactly. of ironic because they were so awful in the beginning. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up for, today's podcast episode. If you're listening on the air on 91.7 FM, thank you. Or if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, thank you. You can catch us next week.